the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. As always, thank you for joining us this fine Sunday evening. And uh, we're going to have an interesting program tonight. At 8.30, we're going to have Dr. Eddie Kotikoff, who is a physician, who's going to report to us on the technological advancements with 3D printing machines and how they're being used to create human body parts that can actually be used. It'll be very interesting to uh, hear what's going on with latest technology in medicine. Uh, in the first half, we're very pleased to have with us Ohio State Senator Matt Dolan, who's going to give us an update on what's going on in Columbus in the state Senate. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Nick. Good evening. Uh, like I was mentioning that uh, the state Senate, um, we have uh, periodically, once a month, I, actually, we have uh, Dave Greenspan coming in reporting to us what's going on at the state legislature in the House. Uh, the Senate's a little bit different. It's a little more of an exclusive club down there. How many members of the Ohio Senate are there? Uh, 30, 33. Uh, so there are three House districts in every Senate district, and each one of us represents about 350,000 people. And uh, you've been a uh, senator for how long now? Since January of 17. So I'm just, I'm in my third year. In year three already. Time flies. Boy, does it fly. Yep. But uh, in, in any event, what's going on in the state uh, Senate at this point? I know you're working on a couple of issues yourself. So right now in the state Senate, we are preparing for the operating budget to arrive uh, in our chamber so we can work on it and get it ready for passage by June 30th. Since this is the first year of a DeWine, of a new governor's administration that, that of course, is Governor DeWine, he has until March 15th to submit his budget to the legislature. Normally, it is needed to be done by February 4th. So everyone's in a little tight time frame. So we're preparing to work on that. And, and this, this budget is, is pretty straightforward. Um, just in terms of size, the last Kasich budget was about just under 5,000 pages long. The first DeWine budget is 1,800 pages. It's pretty lean in, in the sense that it operates as a true budget. That is, what dollars are needed and what priorities do we have to fund? So if you mm -hmm. will, if I could, I could give you a little outline. So, Yeah, please do, as to where we are. budget is that you know, there's three main areas that the governor has decided to invest in. One would be the most significant would be the what he's calling wraparound services or his wellness budget. And that is to every school system, it's going to be different based on your level of poverty. He's not going to fund money directly into the classrooms. What he's going to do is recognize that there are factors contributing to a child's ability to learn that is not being addressed. Obviously, in some school systems like Cleveland, you're going to have issues such as the child is coming to school without breakfast, you know, maybe not even had a dinner the night before. 
So there's going to be investments in making sure the child is fed, that there's the, the literacy rate in the inner city and inner, inner ring suburb schools is very, very high. So there's going to be investments in pre-K uh, and literacy programs, not going to the schools, but for preparing a child to learn. But how that impacts 24th Senate District and your audience practices, the, the, the part of the dollars is going to go to mental health. And what is startling to learn is the number of children, K through 12, and, and beyond are suffering from some level of mental illness, social well-being, uh, emotional uh, well-being, all which need some sort of professional guidance or counseling, which is which is lacking. So th- he's putting a lot of money there. With his idea is that a child who's hungry, that child who's not part of a family structure, a child who's suffering for some illness beyond what you know when, when somebody could see is not a child able to learn. So that's a big part of his investment. Very the good. Other part of his, the other part of his investment is near and dear to all of us, and that is, he's, he, is he is addressing Lake Erie and making sure that there is a number of funds directed to make sure that the lake remains clean, to make the lake remain vibrant, and, and that we continue and, and promote it better to use it as an economic engine for the state of Ohio. And that's significant because the state, you know, the governor's from state and area, the lieutenant governor's from state and area. So to get them to, to recognize how important Lake Erie is, 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 a, is a big coup. And then the third thing kind of wraps around with the first thing is that, you know, there's not just mental illness problems that relate to children, but there's lots of mental illness problems related to adults. Which, which they're determining is a lot of those illnesses have led to addiction. So he's, he is promoting a lot of investing some dollars into mental health and addiction recovery for adults as well. And that is to make certain that, that you're not going to drugs because you're masking the pain. So it's, it's really, when you, when you pull the, the cover off and look underneath, Ohio is really in a crisis mode with mental health. Uh, if you could talk to any college student or college president, and I, I've talked to both, and they'll say that if, they, if they're not feeling right and they want to go talk to somebody to get some help, it's a three- to four-week wait. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, the sad part of it is not only does it lead to more addiction, not only does it lead to people not coming to work or not failing out in school, it's leading to a startling high number of suicides in the state of Ohio, and it's we're we're unfortunately we're on a record pace, which is nothing we want to be uh, proud of. So, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's being addressed. I, I was just talking to a doctor this morning uh, about the issue of uh, mental illness and the fact that if we can put more into mental illness, it will solve problems that will be much more costly in human, in time, and in dollar terms in the future. Uh, by giving these people that, the treatment they need. And that's exactly the approach that, that we are looking at as well, that you know, the dollar you invest today will save tens if not hundreds of dollars later. Now, having said all that, we still have a responsibility to make sure the budget's balanced. And the financial side of budgeting, and I'm the chairman of the Finance Committee, so I look at this closely, is, look, you're going to look, our, our fiscal year ends June 30th. So the first thing you have to look at is, 
what will be the condition, financial condition of the state at June 30th, and will there be any surplus monies to, to spend, uh, or will there be a deficit in which we have to address? It looks like, <coughs> excuse me, it looks like now there will be a surplus. We are projecting about $200 million surplus. The governor is anticipating a $700 million surplus. So obviously there's a huge uh, discrepancy there. And then the second bucket of dollars is as you go through your two-year, uh, as you go through your two-year budget, what is the expected revenue? And again, there's a disagreement. At least I think the governor, you know, I hope he's right. But I think he has a rosier projection of what the economy is going to do over the next two years. So that will greatly impact the dollars mm-hmm. that we have to invest. And, of course, we have to balance the budget. And we are always looking to see if there's a way to give money back to taxpayers as well. So if we can afford to have a tax cut or some sort of relief to the taxpayers, that's always a priority for us. Why, sure. Did we, did we have a surplus after the last budget cycle? No, the the. the Budget cycle last time. By the time the budget got to the Senate, we were eight hundred million dollars uh, in the red, and and by the time it passed, we had to cut one point one billion dollars um, out of the budget. So um, there was a lot of uh, you know of distribution of cuts, oh distribution of pain, pain, if you will. So this year's a little bit different, but you still have to be responsible because it's it's all of our money, and mm-hmm. we want to mm-hmm. make sure it's spent on the most effective and efficient programs that we can. In, in talking to Representative Dave Greenspan, he was telling us and keeping us up on the gas tax and the taxes that will be charged uh, at the pump starting in July. Uh, is that uh, factoring into the, the budget you, you guys are going to be working on? So um, not directly because of the gas tax, um, but indirectly because, um, look, uh, Dave is doing a wonderful job, but we just we being the Senate approached it a little differently. You know, if if we're going to have a crisis, then we should make sure every dollar that's raised by a tax goes to roads and bridges. And there's two tight there's two, two gas tanks. There's the federal and the state. Well, we moved 200 million dollars of Fed tax to go towards roads and bridges, and then took and then now we need to took it from uh, public transportation, and now we're going to fund public transportation out of the general revenue fund so that we're not wasting any dollars going to something other than fixing our roads and bridges. Uh, we're going so to have kept to... tax as low as we could. We're talking to State Senator Matt Dolan, and we're going to take a short break and be back with Senator Dolan to talk about other things that are going on in the Ohio Senate down in Columbus, Ohio. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate on WHK. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips & Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. 
Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And we're talking to Ohio State Senator Matt Dolan. Matt Dolan, thank you for joining us. Sure. Happy to. We were talking about the budget, but I know there are a number of other things going on down there in Columbus. Uh, there's something going on with the Ohio Clean Air Program, and can you give us a quick briefing on that? Yeah, so what that is, the House has introduced a bill to essentially, uh, they're calling it a Quality Clean Air Act, and essentially there's two nuclear plants in the state of Ohio that are asking for uh, the legislators to put fees on the, on our bill to provide dollars for them to stay in existence, and they're saying they're going to close down if, if they do not. Um, 
So we need to have a discussion whether or not we need, is, are we going to bail out the nuclear plants and what does it mean for them to close? And what does it mean for them to stay open? So that's a discussion we should have. And I know your audience, I'm sure, has many opinions on that. What I don't like about the bill, though, it does many, many other things uh, that I think undermine us having an all-the-above energy program. It, it will take away energy efficiency. It will take away uh, renewable mandates, which have proven to, to bring investment in the state of Ohio. So, uh, you know, the, the uh, nuclear plants have value. They, they provide 13% of our energy, but 90% of our clean energy. Uh, the question is, do we want to subsidize them or not? I know they don't like to hear it that way, but that's the question that we have to look for and decide what's the best interest of our economy. How, so that's working its way mm-hmm. from the House. How, how many uh, power, nuclear power plants do we have in Ohio? Two. Two Both just up here on Lake Erie. Correct. One's in uh, Lake County and the other one's in Ottawa County. One down south by the Ohio River, that's in Kentucky or West Virginia? Um, if there's one down there, Pennsylvania, I know, has one pretty close to our border. Um, but, uh, but I'm not aware of Kentucky or, or West or Virginia. Virginia having. Maybe the Pennsylvania one. Uh, another bill, a Senate Bill 21, uh, dealing with the benefits to corporations. That, yeah. that recently passed. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's my bill. And uh, what that does is it recognizes that there is a different type of investor uh, in the United States today, and that is a young, younger investor who has made a ton of money, usually coming out of Silicon Valley or some in the tech world, and they are looking to invest in corporations that have a solid for-profit mission, but also want the corporation to have a stated beneficial or societal or communal purpose that is in their bylaws that the shareholders are aware of, that they have to file an annual report about. And that would draw additional investment. And some, the, the, one of the witnesses who testified on my bill said there's about a trillion dollars worth of what they're calling benefit corp investment that none is going to Ohio right now because we don't have this. So I found out about this. I was reading an article about this young man. Well, young, he's 35. He sold his company. He literally has about $800 million he wants to invest, and he's only investing in benefit corporations. So um, we want people to cite their business in in Ohio. We want them to have a legitimate for-profit mission, but we also want them to draw new investment dollars here because those investment dollars do not go to the beneficial purpose. Don't misunderstand. They go to expanding, hiring new people, hiring equipment, those are that's why we need investment dollars. So if you want to help the food bank, if a company wants to say we're going to help the food bank or we're going to provide Red Cross or whatever their mission is, uh, it just it cannot be political. Other than that, it, um, it, it is any beneficial purpose is available. Interesting. And has that that has passed the Senate unanimously? It passed the Senate. Yes, um, twice it's passed the Senate. So we're trying to get the House to pass. I think they will. I, I, I um, you know, sometimes it, it takes a while because people think that the, the investment dollars are going somewhere other than the mm-hmm. for-profit or uh, we're turning for-profit corporations into non-for-profit corporations. So, it's, you know, some, it, it's none of that. It's, it's 
you know, big companies in Ohio are asking for it. Smuckers, um, um, is, a couple others have asked for it. And, and it, again, it's a way for them to have more avenues to draw money into Ohio. Well, uh, bringing money in is always better than having it pour out. Uh, Correct. A, a different, a little more controversial is the heartbeat bill that was passed. And uh, how did you vote on that? And, and what was the problems you saw with that? So, uh, so I voted no on the heartbeat bill, and I know that um, you know, caused concern for a lot of people, a lot of people who supported me, and I and I understand that. So, quickly, my reasoning for voting no were. Um, I feel ultimately that's a sideward, if not a backward step for the pro-life movement. Uh, Roe versus Wade was decided on viability and uh, what's balancing out the best interest of the mother and best interest of the state. Mm -hmm. So the heartbeat bill is designed to make changing the tone from viability to heartbeat. But the but the language in Roe versus Wade is pretty clear. The viability is that which time the the baby can live outside the womb. And the balancing between the state and the mother uh, has to do with, with, the, with the woman's uh, health. And there were no exceptions in, in this bill. So I, I felt like at the end of the day, the court was not going to rule that heartbeat is viability, and the balance would be shifting towards the woman. And every time we pass a bill that gets, gets ruled unconstitutional, I think we lose more and more people to the pro-life movement. Right now in Ohio, you cannot have abortion after 20 weeks. Why is it 20 weeks? Because the viability for a baby right now is 21 weeks, four days. And I want to focus on that agenda and slowly move the viability issue into the, the idea that a child is, is a child uh, much, much sooner because of our technology. A heartbeat can be detected at six weeks. Um, my moral belief is that that is a living being at conception. Wearing my political hat, I have to recognize that I have a responsibility to pass bills that can withstand constitutional scrutiny, and I just wasn't comfortable that this bill did that. Do, do you anticipate there being a litigation filed, if not already having been done? So uh, it, it already has been done. Um, when, you know, anticipating the bill will be, you know, it can't become law until 90 days. So they've already said they're going to file a lawsuit the first day. It has been challenged in five other states. Um, we're, we are the sixth state. Um, so it's, and it does cost taxpayer money. We have to defend the bill and that, that's, um, those are, those are expensive. The, 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 the goal is, is worthwhile. We, we want to end abortion in Ohio. Um, I know people are frustrated with the incremental way in which we're going about it, uh, but it took 55 years for the civil rights, you know, for for the civil rights bill to be enacted. Um, it is moving in an ocean liner. It is a traumatic one because we're talking about life here. Uh, but I, I just could not get comfortable that this was the right way to go. Oh, I appreciate the explanation. You know, one other thing: we have about two minutes left. Uh, there's a petition that's going to be circulated uh, for, and it's entitled An Amendment to the Ohio Constitution, the Presidential Election Popular Vote Amendment. Um, I don't know, in a, in a minute and a half, can you tell us what, what well, is it that also about? Be called this, it also could be called the sore loser amendment because this huh. is being pushed by a, a very liberal agenda to try to drive the, the presidential vote to California, New York, 
Florida, uh, Illinois, all the popular states, so that um, we take away the vote from the Midwest. You know, the, our founding fathers knew that in order to make sure that every state has an opportunity to to participate in the in the presidential election, we should go to the electoral college. If you moved it to the popular vote. Uh, with the immense populations that exist in New York and California and other places, that the presidential elections would come down to just a handful of states, just like it does now. But that's a result of each state having the ability to say, do we want to be Democrat or do we want to be Republican? And they can vote that way. The popular vote would be, it didn't matter what the state does. It just, it's just, hey, if we can get a billion people in California, not them, but if we can get you know, millions of people in California and New York to vote Democrat, then we can win. And it doesn't matter what Ohio, Iowa, any other states. So it it would shift the balance of power in this country away from a 50-state election into a, a just a handful of state election. And that's not what our founding fathers wanted. There's a reason that Iowa and North Carolina and New Hampshire and Nevada and New Mexico are relevant every four years. And that would be gone. Well, that would definitely neutralize the Electoral College. And we'll be watching that as the, uh, the weeks and months go on. Uh, State Senator uh, Matt Dolan, thank you so much for joining us and giving us an update on what's going on in Columbus with the uh, Ohio right. Senate. Thank you, Nick. Anytime. Thank you, Matt. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. And we're going to take a short break. We're going to be back with Dr. Uh, Eddie Batikoff. Uh, He's going to talk to us about using 3D printers to make body parts and... Uh, Sounds a little science fiction-like, but it's for real. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We're going to be back after these words. Stick with us. Don't go away. Bye. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch. As you sail down a European river, enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended. As you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at select 
www.insservice.com. 440-237-8555 or select insservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, people. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, in the next two segments, we're going to be talking about uh, technology and making spare body parts, something that has been the subject of science fiction perhaps for years and something that uh, people who are on wait lists for body parts are, are probably going to be very anxious to hear what we have to say about uh, 3D printing. Uh, with us to talk about that tonight is Dr. Eddie Fatikoff. Uh, Dr. Fatikoff, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, where are you calling from tonight? I'm calling from, uh, most people probably have heard of it, Alfreda, Georgia, suburb of Atlanta. Atlanta, very good. Uh, well, first off, you're a medical doctor. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what involvement uh, have you had with regard to an interest in uh, 3D printing of human tissue. Yeah, so I'm actually a board-certified internist, internal medicine with a specialty in integrative medicine. So um, I've been pretty active in not just healthcare, but the innovation of healthcare, whether it's through me being a personal trainer, um, being a nutritionist, dietitianist, writing books on weight loss and prevention, and actually, a couple of my patients own 3D printing companies, so I was fascinated by that. And um, these Israeli scientists came out and discovered how to 3D print a human heart using human cells. So I thought that was very fascinating because 3D printing has been around to make you know, paper toys or, or um, other household commodities, Nerf guns for kids. But now we can actually use it to treat people and save people's lives, not just here, but around the world and, and and even, you know, Cleveland, the Cleveland area for people who have heart attacks or heart failure. Can, can you tell us a little bit about what is 3D printing for those who aren't uh, familiar actually having seen 3D printing? And, and what does that printer look like? And we're, we're not talking about just putting a sheet of paper in and running it through a copier machine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a 3D printer, if you can imagine, think of it like a big box, right? So it's multidimensional. It's not like a regular size printer. And it's pretty big. Some of them are massive. Um, can weigh a couple hundred pounds to uh, 200 pounds. If you go to your local um, local 
a store where you get your paper, your printers. They actually will give you some small ones that probably weigh 100 pounds. But they could be quite heavy, and depending what kind of materials or what you're printing on them um, can vary in size. But the one they use for the human heart is a unique printer for the heart uh, because they were using human cells to manufacture that. So most 3D printers are customized to what type of material they're using and what they're trying to print. What, uh, no. So I would think of I would I would think of like a big box with a robot uh-huh. on top is how the best way I can think of it. Or, or if you ever seen Star Trek analogy where he would say, "Hey, make me, you know, this food or transport this," kind of that type of machine for anybody who are Star Trek fans. Yeah, I've seen uh, 3D printers in action, sort of making uh, parts, uh, physical parts that you can use for uh, building something like a, a toy or even a piece of something for an automobile. A, a part that you'd have dimensions for, and uh, you you watch the 3D machine um, actually sort of layer on uh, with the, the help of a computer, row upon row of materials on top of each other that ends up having the shape that you want. Uh, is that basically how you understand it? Yeah, that's exactly. So it's layered on. Um, and the material, whatever material they use, the ink or the biofilm for this one, the ink was the, the fatty tissue they made into a biomatrix of human cells, and they layered it on. And, and the interesting is when they try to see how big the human heart was or try to make the human heart, they actually had an artist sketch out a 3D image of the heart and CT scan images of, of a patient's heart to 3D print that heart that they had on display from the uh, Tel Aviv University. Now, that was sort the of like... The, the big jump here is going from using like plastics and, uh, and and other type of material to using human tissue. You use the term biomatrix. What what exactly is biomatrix and where do you get it? Yeah, so it's the extracellular uh, matrix that basically that's a substance that all cells need. And so what they did was the Israeli scientists they took fat tissue, omentum, basically uh, fat tissue from the body, and they were able to genetically modify those fat tissue cells into stem cells to make cardiac tissue, to make vessels, to make matrix, and basically replicate that. And by doing that, they were able to create this ink, sort of ink cartridge for you know, black ink or colored ink. They were able to make different types of inks uh, using the different types of stem cells to make each layer of the heart. One makes the muscle, one makes the vessels, one makes the um, extracellular matrix and so that's what they use as the ink and it would take actually the small heart that they created would take several hours to print out the heart and layer it and then they would take days and they would enrich it with oxygen and nutrients so the heart can um, be oxygen rich were they able to get this uh, modeled heart uh, to actually function like the the portion of the heart that is made up of cardiac muscle in, in real life in this model yeah, so- would that be uh, That's heart tissue, or that be muscle tissue as well? Yeah, the cardiac tissue, it's the, um, yeah, the myocardium tissue. They did get the muscle, but what they didn't get was, and they got the heart to to contract and to beat. But what the issue they were having was they didn't get the heart to beat in synchrony, right? Because we have electrical conduction system. Each part of the heart was beating at a different rhythm. So I think the challenge they have is getting the heart to beat synchronous like our natural heart is that's the one thing i think they're about a year away from doing that because they're going to transplant into a mouse or to a rat um, before they start making human hearts 
Well, that, that's amazing. Again, going back to thinking of what a, a model 3D printer would look like, you're thinking of just one substance making up the entire piece that's being 3D printed. And it's interesting we're using the term printed when it's actually something that's creating a, a three-dimensional solid object is, is what it's, it's doing. Yeah. As they're doing this, you're mentioning different colors. Do the different tissues, the cardiac uh, muscle tissue and the uh, circulatory or the blood vessels, these are different color inks that are actually being put into the into the object? So, yeah, they're using that matrix, and by having those matrix, which is basically fat cells that they made into a matrix, some of those matrix cells become we call pluripotential cells. The cells can become differentiated to a cardiac cell, to an endothelial cell that makes the vessels, that makes different layers of the heart, so they're able to genetically modify these cells to become stem cells. Now, when they're stem cells, they become any cell that you want in the body, and they directed them to the cells they want. So they used that matrix, and that matrix was the cells that they needed, the cardiac muscle cells or the endothelial cells, and that's why it took them a couple hours to print the heart that they needed for that size of a heart because they had the genetic imprint from the human cells of which cells they needed to make up a heart, and they just followed it. And like you said, it's building a layer and layer at the top. So basically putting this, the type of ink cartridge you want to build whichever layer of the 3D print you're looking to make. Well, we talked about uh, cardiac muscle. We talked about circulation and blood vessels. Uh, do they have a special ink, we'll call it, uh, to do the nerves that innervate the heart uh, itself? So once again, because part of that cardiac tissue and the deal tissue that made the blood vessels a cardiac function, the issue is they did have the cells to make the nerves in the small vessels. Now the question is, how do you make those small nerve endings or small um, arteries in a bigger heart? That's where it becomes a challenge, right? So into bigger heart, you have more vessels, uh, you need more more biopsies to take of fat tissue to make that. And if you take a real heart, make the life size of a heart, it would take months to print and the cells won't survive. Here they did in a few hours and then fed nutrients a couple of days later and had the heart survive. So obviously more technology is involved. But I guess the biggest takeaway I would take away from this whole thing that's that's a breakthrough in medical sciences is because what they can do five, ten years from now, how they can use this technology tomorrow or even the day after is that they can actually patch up a heart. So you have a heart attack or your heart failure and part of your heart is just damaged and needs fixed, then making even a small size heart like this and just taking a piece of it of your own tissue, a clone of your own tissue of your heart and patching it up. Well, that's something that's not, not not realistic. It's pretty realistic down the road, whether it's one or two years out. That's something that's practical and we can use because this, this size of this heart takes a couple of days to make, a couple hours to print, a couple of days to make, and you can take a part of that piece to patch up a heart or damage area you have right now. Uh, we're, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Eddie Fatikoff uh, about making uh, body parts, especially a heart, out of the 3D printer, out of the fat cells that are turned into stem cells and are turned into discrete tissue that can actually duplicate a heart. It has been done. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Dr. Fatikoff uh, after these words to talk more about the implications of what does this mean to you and uh, what's the future of the next 10 years going to be like. You're listening to Nick Phillips on The Advocate along with Dr. Eddie Fatikoff talking about 3D printing of body parts. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these words. Yeah. 
Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And, since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended, as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn. Or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. This is our last segment for the evening, and again, thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're talking about technological breakthroughs with regard to using 3D printers to create human body parts especially the heart and, and other things. And with us to discuss that, we have Dr. Eddie Fatikoff. And thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My, my pleasure. It's such an exciting uh, area. When we talk about uh, using fatty tissue for a biomatrix, uh, does that tissue come from 
the patient themselves, or is it something you you have uh, you obtain from a supplier, or how does that go? How do you do that? Yeah, it actually comes from the omentum, the fat um, that's kind of deep in you, kind of where the visceral fat is. So they get a biopsy of that of the mental fat. Um, that's usually that's the fat that swims around surrounds your stomach. That's mm-hmm. that visceral fat. So they get a biopsy of that, and they use it to make a matrix, and they use that as basically the ink, the gel, to print out the layers of the heart. And it's amazing that they can turn that into stem cells and uh, use that. I'm assuming because of the origin of the material that there's no rejection problems uh, and your your body can can take this new part that is created out of their own body materials and uh, you should be, what, infection-free and rejection-free? Yeah, it's, re- it's rejection-free because you're using your own cells to do it and that, you know... Eighteen people are wait. Eighteen people are waiting to get on a heart transplant in the United States. It's, you know, it's frustrating because it could be anybody that's heart failure, right? They could have got a, a viral infection. People who get the flu can get heart failure. People who get um, really sick, or people who even drink alcohol can get heart failure. Multiple causes for heart failure. Even people across the world, even vitamin deficiency, uh, B one vitamin and thiamine that we just take over the counter and take for granted here in our food. Um, can get heart failure from that. So the fact that we can have an avenue to help these people, save these people, is is fascinating now. Um, instead of taking rejection medications, waiting on a transplant list, um, and living that life, you know, so it, it's it's hard. And this is a breakthrough for people who have family members of heart heart failure or heart disease. It's still the biggest killer in the whole world. It will kill you before cancer will kill you. It will kill you before you get a stroke. So heart disease still remains in the world biggest um, killer you know we, we talk about the uh, technology and techniques now that uh, that that this particular uh, study has, has shown uh, have they been using these techniques on other body parts like um, like creating an, an ear that someone is missing or uh, part of a nose or using it in plastic surgery at all that's a great question they've actually uh, made bladders, ears, blood vessels, and windpipes that they've actually put in human beings, and that's worked. But those are much simpler organs, right? To make a windpipe, you're just making cartilage, you're implanting that to make ears, uh, to make bladders. But nobody's ever created something as complex as a kidney just yet or as complex as a heart yet. So in terms of 3D printing or innovation and regenerative medicine, this is probably the biggest breakthrough in regenerative medicine um, ever. I mean, not only just 3D printing, but just regenerative medicine where you can clone and make a fully vascularized organ like the human heart, which is one of the most complicated organs to make that in the kidneys. Sounds so much like science fiction. Uh, you know, in, I know. In our, in our law practice, dealing with people who have been injured in accidents and needing plastic surgery and so on, um, if, if they had sort of like damage to their nose or, or lost an ear, uh, is this something insurance will pay for nowadays, that, or is this still so experimental that it's not covered? And that's 3D. That's a great question. So they're doing 3D printing already, and some insurances are paying it for um, hip replacements and knee replacements. So instead of using a metal hip or using a knee, a synthetic knee, here they can actually print the same shape knee that you have um, print it in about an hour or so, or 30 minutes, and then use it right for surgery. And the material's actually better, and the patients do better. So insurance companies are paying for some of the stuff because it's actually saving them money. And you have less complication, less risk, less infection, because you're either using um, a 
printed object that will actually work better and last longer for the patients with less frequent surgery, or you're using their own cells to clone a certain part of their body. So it's used parts of the world. I think I think in the United States, the insurance coverage is limited, but I think we're going to head to a day or a time where we'll be covered by all insurances, and it'll probably make your job easier and my job easier. Oh, yeah, I think that'd be nice. Again, uh, what, what a future. And talking about the future, if we could project like 10 years down the road, uh, where, where do you see this technology going? And, and uh, do you think we will have uh, heart replacements? You know, like we said, people with congestive heart failure, that the only solution is a heart replacement. Uh, put their order in and the machine starts to work and they can have that implanted with all the vascularization and all the innervation that you need. Uh, how long until we see something like that? 10 years, you think, or less? I would say less how fast science is uh, advancing. I and mean, people wouldn't think, I mean, think about it when the first sheep was cloned, right? That was back, Dolly the sheep, right? That was back in the 2000s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. To now where we're, we're just making cloning hearts and making bladders and making stuff like that. So in 10 years, I think you go to a doctor and say, hey, doc, my heart's not going good. He'll take a biopsy right then and then and print you out a new heart and say, let's well, schedule you for surgery uh, next week. I mean, I think it's really as simple as that. It's just streamlining it and doing the data and making sure there's protocols in place, but it's as simple as that. Well, talking about being very, very complex and talking about using fat tissue and talking about uh, doing something with something as complex as the heart, do you, do you think this might in any way evolve to helping people with Alzheimer's and, and sort of renewing some brain tissue? See, it's really hard with Alzheimer's because the only way you can truly diagnose Alzheimer's dementia, truly, I'll, to get an accurate diagnosis, okay. is, a, is a biopsy of the brain after they passed away to look for the actual proteins that cause Alzheimer's disease. Otherwise, a lot of it's just imaging and testing and kind of symptoms, but to really get a true Alzheimer's diagnosis, you really need a brain biopsy. So um, I think it definitely has potential for other cases and other uses where you need blood vessels, like other types of dementia where there's infarctions where basically there's clots or parts of it not getting enough oxygen supply, definitely. But I don't think for Alzheimer's we're just there yet. Hopefully one day. I'm optimistic. But, you know, we talk about treatment and printing and these fascinating technologies. My question is, you know, what are we doing to do it preventively, right? So the biggest thing you do for Alzheimer's dementia or for cardiovascular disease is walking, right? Just 30 minutes walking daily will prevent that, and it has so many benefits. So I think if the one of the interviewers posed me a question, do you think people will be lazy and just get a printed heart? And I said, well, the price tag will be too expensive, right? Uh, but if it wasn't for the price tag, yeah, people just be like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'll just get a, I'll just get a new heart printed. Well, we don't want that to happen. And uh, I, I know we talked off the air about uh, a book you have called Dr. Fatoff, uh, which is a, a clever, very descriptive name on how us patients, and I guess everybody uh, who's not treating somebody as a patient or a potential patient, that uh, if we keep our weight down or with, within reason, we're not going to be grinding up our, our hip joints or uh, causing other, other problems that will require dramatic surgeries. Uh, the, you do have that book, and, and I think we talked about you'll be coming on probably in a month or so, and we'll talk about uh, the idea of, of watching your weight. But uh, but when we talked about replacing a hip, uh, a hip joint, uh, is the 3D printing, is that suitable for 
producing solid objects like bones, like the head of a femur or something, or an, an acetabulum. So right now they're doing it, for, I think they're doing it for joints right now, so just knee joints and hip joints. But yeah, certainly they're doing studies right now actually for long joints, for, for pinning for people who get cancer. Just Instead of actually they would just pin it and replace the whole thing, now with 3D printing they could just print out the whole thing and patients can be, the recovery time is half the time. So I'm, I'm excited on um, the technologies they have for or even just the orthopedic industry. I mean, just replacing hips and bones and how we're managing that and um, rates of complication will be decreased. And, you know, for joints especially, it's all about prevention. People don't realize weight increases your risk for heart disease. One pound of weight loss. When patients say, I only lost one pound, what's the big deal, doc? I, I feel like I could do more. One pound is 5.7 pounds decrease in actual pressure off your joint. So when somebody says, when the doctor says lose 5, 10 pounds, it'd be great for your back or your knees. They're really saying it's 70 to 80 pound difference off your joint pressure. So, you know, so don't discourage anybody that loses a pound or two. Every pound that you lose is, is amazing for your joints. Outstanding. Well, uh, I think the medical future looks like it's coming quickly. Uh, the rate of uh, new technologies is increasing and uh, I suppose if we are looking, if we're older people and we're looking for the future, the thought is stay healthy because it uh, looks like help is on the way technologically. Well, anyway, I, I'd like to thank you, uh, Dr. Eddie Vatikoff, uh, for joining us, and we'll be talking to you again soon. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And if people want to find me, I'm at drfatikoff.com. DrFatikoff.com. Thank you so very much. And thank you for listening tonight. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 